0: Trust in God and God will make your path straight. And in all things and everything, lean on God for your understanding. Please be seated. Very often now when I read passages, my mind drifts off as I'm reading them to the time that I spent in Israel before I was ordained. I thought, well, if I'm going to talk about some of these passages... I might as well spend some time in the landscape actually looking at what it meant and looking at what the, what the landscape looked like where these things were happening. And there is actually a road that goes from Jerusalem all the way to Jericho and it is marked by crosses. And uh, it is quite uh, confronting at times as you walk through There's little caves and little places where people can hide. So to have a group of people catch someone and rob them and beat them and leave them half dead when I look at this passage I can see the, the physicalities of that so it's one of those passages that when, when we go to Israel and one day I'm hoping to organise a trip for this parish so we can all go over and, and do one of the Gospels and just follow through Israel and see the landscape so when we go you'll also have that experience and when we do these readings it'll be a far richer experience for you One of the things about reading a passage that is familiar to Christians and non-Christians alike, because when you say be a good Samaritan even a non-Christian will know what that means, it's quite confronting to try and find something new or to keep you engaged or to keep you thinking. Nevertheless, that's my job, that's what I'm here for, that's why I get paid the big bucks to try and lead you into thoughts and engagement with what's in front of us and to make sure that we walk away with something that we can work on for the week before starting on the gospel I just want to refer to Amos because Amos has some incredible imagery that actually talks into the gospel today Amos's vision was of the Lord standing on a wall with the plumb line, the plumb line was most likely placed from the top of the wall going down And a plumb line's job is to just look at how straight the wall is and whether the wall is perpendicular to the ground. Yes. you said that Japanese man got shot. Well, when it's prayer time, this is gospel time, so when it's prayer time, you can pray for him. So keep that thought, don't lose it, but for another time. It checks whether the wall is actually perpendicular to the ground. And as we look at this imagery... The plumb line was most likely placed by God on the top of the wall as Amos saw the Lord standing there. In this vision, the Lord asked Amos what he saw. And the prophet's response was, a plumb line. Then the Lord's words were decisive. Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass them by anymore. Why? Because Israel was out of plumb. Holiness and righteousness were no longer perpendicular to the horizon of the Lord's covenant or his commandments. Israel was leading so far out of plumb, and the wall was dangerous that God had to actually destroy the wall. He had to exile the people because they were no longer serving their covenant. They needed to be exiled and humbled. But not to be destroyed forever and ever, but to be rebuilt brick by brick. To be restored, to have that wall restored with people who had come to confess and seek repentance and then be straight in holy and righteous activity. In our times, we refer to these people as saints. We are the saints of St. Matthew's with St. Linus, and we are called by God to be his people. And a saint means holy, belonging to God. But saints can also be out of plumb, dangerously leaning away from being consistently aligned to God's will. As people we could be unholy and unrighteous and in some ways we could be saints if God was prepared to lower the standard if God was prepared to move down off the wall with the plumb line but God isn't prepared to do that. God still stands at the top of the wall holding the plumb line on the wall. God is not going to lower that for us so if God is not going to lower that for us what it means is that we have to constantly measure ourselves to the plumb line. We have to lift ourselves and live up to the standard that God sets, which can be a very difficult and daunting thing. But when I add the idea that as people who are post-resurrection people and have had a Pentecost, we have the Holy Spirit available to us to help us and guide us and nurture us. And in that process of staying straight to the plumb line, we can call on the the Lord to send his Holy Spirit to empower us. Every day, every moment, in each and every situation, in every relationship that we have, God stands by the wall with the plumb line in his hand. God constantly seeks us to step up in our Christian faith, not just to be holy and righteous, but also to be Christ-like. He notes any divergence from the plum. And he asks us, and he constantly sends messages for us to return to Christ, to repent and return to Christ and be straight and tall in the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we think about this, think about your divergence, think about the parish's divergence. Are we still plumb to the plumb line or are there gaps that we need to fill and return to Christ when we return to Christ? Sometimes we can be so out of plumb and have no God in our presence that we become a danger to those around us because our theology and our words can actually hurt others rather than bring them to Christ. We always need to monitor and be vigilant for ourselves and for each other as we move forward. The plumb line of God exposes gaps between being loved by God and loving others as God has loved us. Similarly, this can be seen in other ways. This can be seen in the difference between being blessed and then being a blessing to someone else. Outwardly worshipping our God and being so outwardly happy but yet internally not allowing the true knowledge of God to grow in our hearts, to give us the wisdom to look after each other. This difference can be between the works without faith and having a faith that works. And also between saying we are holy and living a holy life. As we keep these words from Amos in our mind, let's return back to the Gospel reading. Many readers focus on the first two who pass by avoiding the bleeding stranger on the road, the priest and the Levite. And in their culture they had a high, they had a high position, a high stature And we might expect better behaviour from them, but clearly today we see a hypocrisy that Jesus names by having them next to the Good Samaritan. And yet this is not entirely the focus of the passage. We could focus on the victim travelling along the road to Jericho, but again this is not the story of a cautionary tale of how to avoid trouble, and which caves to avoid on the road or which places to avoid. Those who... Have, sorry. Instead, we, this is a story about the Samaritan. And we look at this because the Samaritan were the enemies of the Jews. And yet the Samaritan helped his enemy. He turns out to be the hero of the story. The one who provides an example of how we are to live our lives, in loving our neighbours, the one who can stand by the plumb line and be straight and tall and allow us to have an honest example of what we should be doing in our own circumstances. The Samaritan was the one who could stand next to God's plumb line and be noted as holy and righteous because he was blessed, but he was also a blessing to others. At a time when someone was in trouble, love is a verb, love is not a noun. We need to show our love by what we do for others who need us. If we were to use the plumb line, would it be the difference between knowing how God loves us and how God uses us to love others? I think that would be the difference in ourselves. Sure, we can sit and bask in the love of God and the prosperity that our lives have, but our job in that prosperity is then to pay it forward, to to pass it on and to make sure that those around us are being loved as much as we were. When we set God's plumb line against our lives, how do we measure up in holiness and righteousness when it comes to loving others individually and as a church? It's very easy to find fault in others. We can find fault in the government, the parish, the community. You can find fault in your priest. I'm always a bit rough around the edges and uh, my sense of humour and my dad, dad jokes aren't always welcome. So it's not very hard to find fault in anyone or anything if you just scratch the surface a little bit. And whether that gap is huge or negligible between your life and the plumb line measuring how you love others, we still have to be intentional in our actions of love. Sometimes we might need to start from the beginning and knock down the wall and rebuild it. And in rebuilding our wall, we can start with small things. In fact, God asks us to just come as we are and just start from wherever you're at but just starts. We can look for opportunities to help out even when we don't have to. When we hear someone in our parish in need, instead of being deliberately deaf to that person, we can action the needs that we hear. When we see someone in the room that we don't want to talk to, instead of seeing past them or through them, We could stop to engage with them. And yes, that's the part that's very hard to do. Seeing that person we don't want to talk to or someone we're in conflict with and yet we just don't want to go there. God says, go there. Show love anyway. Whether you like them or not, whether there's conflict or not, there's still a human being that needs to love and needs to be loved. We need to stop our spreadsheet of love that tracks all the things that someone has done wrong to us and indeed all the things that someone has done right to us. Instead of keeping track of our losses, we can keep a track of all the gratitudes and blessings we have had. It's not enough to love those who love, who are easy to love. It's much harder to love those who have behaved in horrible ways and possibly hurt us, or we have heard how they've hurt others. But we must love them, and in fact, according to our Lord Jesus, it is the most important task. In this story, it's easy to see the Samaritan as a Christ figure, the outsider who stops to help, the one who takes charge of the victimised, who have been left to bleed to death by the side of the road. The one who finds care for the victim and pays for it. Thinking about God's plumb line in your life, it's easy to see yourself as the Samaritan and like the Samaritan, be the feet, hands and face of Christ to others. But is it easy to have that as an intentional effort each and every moment of your day. So hence, the plumb line still keeps asking questions, doesn't it? We too are called to be good Samaritans to the world, as Jesus says, go and do the same as the good Samaritan. If we start looking for opportunities to bind wounds, then there will be no shortage. And just think about people in our parish that have wounds. All we need to do is just look in our own home first before we look anywhere else and sit with others and surround them and bind them in love so that they can heal and be restored in the Holy Spirit. You would notice that after service I do an altar call for prayer and we have discussions out here in the presence of the Holy Spirit which is called down to bless our communion during the service. Convention, the things that I should be doing at the end of a service are, I think the convention is I'm supposed to go at the door and as people eat, I shake hands and do all that sort of stuff. And yet, Christ's command tells me today to love people by the promptings of my heart and to bind them in prayer to God. So when there is a conflict between what I should do and what Jesus asked me to do, I need to allow Jesus to win. There are no shoulds in how we love people. There is just the prompting on your heart from Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So follow that prompting. Allow God to work in you. We show our love for God by loving each other. And the ways we show love for each other are as varied as the number of people here today. But it all starts with one word, opportunity. There is no limit to the opportunity we have to fulfil the commandment of loving each other as God has loved you. Be imaginative, think outside the box and just be intentional to keep loving yourself and each other's. Just keep seeking those opportunities to do that, to do, to live out that verb. In the story today, the Samaritan brings care to the man that was robbed and saves his life. And yet, as I finish this thought, as I finish this reflection, the thought comes to my mind in the unseen world, there's a bit of a paradox when we love others as God has loved us. You see, in this passage, the the Good Samaritan saves the life, physically saves the life of a person. In the unseen world and in the world where we travel along seeking our eternal life with God, when we save someone else, it's actually we who are saved. The Lord be with you.